Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to check out new episodes every Wednesday and every Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. It's a very special episode. Unbelievably the first episode after we won Best Mode Sports Podcast at the Sports Podcast Awards. What the frack happened? I mean, I thought Ben was going to intro Honestly. it with welcome to the award-winning, late-breaking F1 yeah. podcast. Is how you should have kicked off the show today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every day. Every day. I put it in my Instagram bio. <laughs> I have. I'll sh- Hold on, folks. I'll show you. I'm going to put it up on the screen, which won't go anywhere. Oh, I'm looking at wedding photos, which is irrelevant. Yeah. Look at this. Co-host of the award-winning, late-breaking podcast. It's backwards. I guess it work. It's backwards. Never mind. That's that's terrible. Thank God this is a podcast. That, the, the fact that it's backwards is not the thing that's stopping it being pointless. It's, it's on a podcast. Ah, I did just say that. Yes. Anyway, we've won an award, folks. And it's all because of you, listeners. Oh, honestly, thank you so much to everyone who voted. That was um, completely unexpected. You know how you know how usually like when someone wins an award and they're like, oh, I can't believe I won this. You like you were the, you were the bookies' favorite. Shut up! You knew you were going to win. We really didn't think we were going to win this. We really beat the didn't. BBC and <laughs> blown away. We beat we the BBC. Yes, the entire BBC. And there's three. To be serious, I know we're not often, but to be serious, we're three guys who all still work full time jobs and do this because we want it to be our career and our life. And you, lovely people, in your groves, swung out and voted for us to be the best one. And that genuinely, I was a bit, I was a little bit emotional. And the funny thing was, you and me were talking about it when we found out. And Ben was in the car driving Even home. Better. Ben had no idea, so he found out about twenty minutes late, and he was like, "What? We've won!" We were all very shocked. 
Yes. And, but we all know the real reason is that <laughs> you want us to do a special episode, a special episode where we all do it as each other. So we will. Thank you. We will we do it. We definitely will. It's coming. Oh, gosh. Yes. As a reminder, I will be Sam. Sam will be Harry and Harry will be me in that exclusive one-off episode at some point in the not too distant future. Um, but again, thank you so much for everyone who voted for us and to even to be nominated in that was such an honor. So thank you for allowing us to win. Um, amazing stuff. Let's move on. Um, we've got a busy show as per usual. F1 order please is being played later on. Sam's favorite game of all. Come on. We're going to be talking about, uh, whether Red Bull domination is uh, is pulling away avid fans from F1. But we're going to start with our top three takeaways from 2023 so far. Now, I'm fully expecting, almost guaranteeing, that Sam is going to make some sort of joke here about a fast food takeaway restaurant. But I'll let him get to that. He's looking like, nah, I didn't even think about that. We'll put money on it, folks. Um, but our top three takeaways from the first three Grand Prix of the season. This could literally be anything, just what stood out to us. So, Sam, do you want to give us one to start us off? You know, I think there'll be some listeners who are thinking that this was going to be the impersonation episode. But, Ben, it's nice to know that you've been rehearsing already by thinking about weird analogies that could come into play at any point. So, I actually wasn't going to do yep. a takeaway. I had crossed my mind, but I thought, you know what, I'll try and keep it somewhat... On, on, on the straight and narrow. Um, the first one that came to mind is what's the point of Alpha Tauri? That's been fully cemented in my mind um, <laughs> at the start of this season. I, I know that sounds harsh. Two episodes in a row. Man. Yeah. No, but it, it, like I, I'm a big fan of Alpha Tauri and what was Toro Rosso. I think their liveries have been pretty cool and they have had some brilliant success stories. You look at obviously for Stappen, you look at where, you know, Ricardo filtered in from, you look at how science went through, you look at some drivers that are now outside of Formula One that have gone through that junior programme process, but it only benefits Red Bull. And what it doesn't benefit really is the viewer. And I'm just a little bit, when we've had all this controversy about who should be a new team on the grid, you know, should Andretti come in, this Formula Equality team or whatever it might be, you know, for better or for worse. Pollock Racing. Pollock Racing is what they should be called. I believe... <laughs> no more Pollock Racing. <laughs> I believe that they just fill a spot which they realistically shouldn't have. It's like having, you know, 10 people on a podcast and one of them isn't ever allowed to say or do anything original. You just have to copy one of the other nine people, specifically one other person on the podcast every time you do something and you're never allowed to be first to it. You're pointless. In a non-offensive, horrible way, you are filling a space for a competitor, which I think is unfair and frustrating. And this season, especially with how slow they really are, there's really backfired for me on what they're achieving. And there's now stories coming out that they're going to take even more parts rather from Red Bull, um, which I think, you know, they just... It's very frustrating. I'd like to have 10 teams that are all independent and can drive forward independently and create something special. And they're filling a very, very valuable slot. And I would like to see that change. And I think the first three races is really something that I thought a lot last season, but the first three races of how poor they've been has really cemented that for me. Yeah, certainly when they were featured a bit more in sixth and seventh place in the championship, there was at least that to go with. But where they're ninth or or might even end up 10th that that's taken away i'll kick off um by saying my my first takeaway here is that great drivers i think need to have more confidence in themselves so we're seeing particularly this 
So drivers who have the opportunity to claim a long-term deal have, in the past couple of years, just snapped them up straight away. So sometimes it makes sense to do it if you don't know what else is coming on the horizon in terms of an F1 deal, and and you want that security. Because uh, at that point, you can either, one, see out your contract, or two, you can have what Daniel Ricciardo had happened to him, and you get a boatload of cash for being paid out early, right? So you do have that security. But certainly where you've got great drivers, I don't think it makes sense. And we're seeing that this season. So the two that spring to mind are Leclerc and Norris here that are seriously struggling. And quite frankly, they are in long-term deals and cars that are failing them. We've had Charles Leclerc, beginning of 2021, he um, he signed an extension until the end of next year, 2024. So a long-term extension at the beginning of 2021. He did that on the back of 2020, which if you remember, for Ferrari's sake, was an awful year. Why didn't he have the confidence in himself to, to not go ahead with that deal at that time? And we're seeing the repercussions of it this year because it doesn't look like Ferrari are going to give him the tools to achieve what he will feel he can. Similarly with Lando Norris beginning of 2021 he signs a deal to keep him there until the end of 2025 and now if you're Lando Norris and you've still got three years left on that deal you're probably sat there thinking is this team ever going to get me in a position to win races let alone win a championship again he's going to feel like that is potentially on the horizon if he gets a car that's worthy of his talents so um yeah I I think overall for Leclerc and for Norris um, in particular, the start of the season has just highlighted that these long-term deals for drivers that are good enough and should have more confidence in themselves, that they can be a bit more flexible and fluid, it just doesn't, it's not working out. Harry, do you have a first takeaway? Yes, my first takeaway is that we need a Mercedes. Mm. Uh, uh, sound like Marge. We be in the sport. <laughs> you sound like Marge. Mm. Good. Um, yeah, we being the sport. Marty! <laughs> Sorry, that's awful. That was terrible. That's so bad. Yeah, that was oh, terrible. Get on your point. Um, yeah, because for any any sort of championship fight, we need Mercedes. And, and we saw in Australia, I know, they, I know they wouldn't have had the pace to keep the Verstappen behind, but just to have them involved... You just had more confidence in in Hamilton and and even Russell to to be able to mix it up and and for Mercedes not to balls up the strategy. Um, I know they got lucky with Russell, but it would have been interesting had they had not not had the red flag where he would have come out. So yeah, Mercedes, please please get get your act together, please <laughs> for, for please. the for the sake of a, for the sake of a championship battle. Because please, I mean Ferrari aren't even there. What's the point? Yeah, so. Um, yeah, that's my first one. Mercedes plus plus come back. Please. Yes. Plus, exactly. <laughs> Great. Love that. Sam, back to you. Another one. So I'm going to paraphrase what the point is. Uh, it's quite similar actually to what Harry just raised, but Formula One needs Fernando Alonso. Now, I, the reason why I say this is not actually specifically just Fernando Alonso, but we need big outspoken personalities who are not afraid to step outside of the classic media trained point of view, both around the track, on the radio, uh, on social media. Um, for me, those drivers throughout history that have been willing to speak their minds, to be a little bit chaotic and a bit brazen with the way they speak, a bit brash with how they treat maybe their, their 
other drivers up and down the grid. They are the ones that historically stand out. They create a story. They create a following. They create a movement within Formula One. And you remember Hamilton and Rosberg, right? The sass that we constantly saw between them. That was a storyline in itself that we all wanted to see. Everyone loved it. Um, back when Vettel used to, you know, call people cucumbers and swear out of his car and whatnot. That is phenomenal levels of sassy, sassy, slay, slay. That's a phrase I've never thought I'd ever say. Um, oh, ball, man. I don't know what it meant. Sassy, sassy, slay, slay. Don't know what it meant. Anyway, my point is... Formula One, I believe, has become too media refined and coached. And I am missing the, the, the sass. I'm missing the fun. I'm missing the, the taking the mickey out of each other and having a go out of each other. And I think that's a key part of sport and Formula One that we are losing. But someone like Fernando Alonso is very much keeping alive with his, ha, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Like that. Iconic already. Brilliant already. And it's so good to see him on top because he will deliver those brilliant moments that I think... A sport like Formula One needs hyper-competitive. It needs those characters to step out into the limelight. Um, and because Max Verstappen is sailing off into the future, and literally that's how fast the Red Bull is, he's in 2043, um, we, we don't get his sassy comments over the radio, which he's quite famous for as well. So I want more personalities in the sport. That's a takeaway. There aren't enough of them at the moment. Don't really disagree with that at all. Um my second takeaway from the first three Grand Prix of this season is that I think we are halfway there, 50% of the way there to the parity that we're looking for from these uh, cost cap regulations. So if, we, if we're looking prior to cost cap, I think there was a very clear three-tier system within F1. It was the front of the field, the midfield, and the back of the field. I think we've got to a point now where the last two, the bottom of the field and the midfield, are kind of one. There isn't much separating those that are 10th and 9th compared to those that are sort of 5th and 6th, which I think is a good thing. I think we have actually reached a situation now where heading into any given Grand Prix, you feel like there is the potential that anyone could score a point. Like, you you wouldn't bet against... Uh, so you, you wouldn't be surprised if anyone on that grid scored a point at any given race, which I think is brilliant. So I think we've reached it in terms of like the, the midfield and the back of the field kind of merging into one. The reason we're only 50% of the way there is I th we're still missing out in terms of the, the front of the grid and the midfield, because as already referenced, Red Bull's 10 years ahead of everyone else. And even if you look at Mercedes, Ferrari and Aston Martin, there's still quite a gap between those teams and then the rest of the midfield as well. So I feel like in terms of bringing the field together, we are certainly getting there and, you know, maybe later this year or next year we'll we'll make even more strides but it's it's the the upper end of the field that the, at the moment is letting it down harry a second one from you this one is is designed to rattle ben oh yes oh, no, it's not, it's not i'm a, so excited it's not God's actually sake. designed but i think God's about, sake. alpine will never be better than this ooh uh, and i mean i don't disagree with you well there you go you uh, know where big shack eats the spicy wings and he goes that is that meme right there after that statement. Yes. Um, but, but like, look at the look at the evidence. They're, this is, and I'm talking Alpine slash. They were obviously Renault, Renault. a couple of years ago. Renault a couple of years Renault. ago. Um, that I just I don't get the feeling that they're ever going to be better than where they are now. They might 
gain a couple of places, you know, with Ricardo, they're challenged from challenging for a couple of podiums and obviously Ocon did have a win in Hungary, but it's very circumstantial, not, not taking away from his drive there. But other than that, what have they done since they came back in as Renault in 2016? And this is another, seems like another year of the same. Yes, they might be that sixth, seventh or whatever place in the top 10, but... Is that it? I, I just, that's it again. That's where they, that's where they kind of were last year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have any confidence that they're ever going to be better than than where they are now. Do you think that Alpine are suffering from what I'm going to call the Ferrariisms, where a cult, culturally something internally is not allowing them to take a step forward? Because Ferrari have been what since Raikkonen won that title. They've not achieved anything. I mean, they've come close a couple of times. They've not achieved anything now for, what, nigh on 15, 16 years. A long time. Renault have essentially done the same thing, right? They won the season before that, and they haven't achieved anything since Alonso was there the first time round in now 16, 17 years. A long time. I feel like culturally something is holding them back. I don't know if it's a willingness to adapt to new techniques or bring people in from outside, but it also screams similarities in the sense that obviously Ferrari are very Italian-based and they pride themselves on that culturally. Alpine, very French-based. They pride themselves on that culturally. I wonder if they are refusing to open their doors to outside minds, which can allow them to excel up the grid. I mean, potentially. I, I don't know. I just don't don't know where they... Good take, though. Thanks. I don't know like where that. they go from there, or from here, even. Um, I'd, I'd love to see it, but, but just I don't have any evidence that mm. so they're going to do better, so... Sorry, Le Plan. <laughs> Le Plan is absolutely in the mud and I hate it. Um, but I mean, I, I actually think you're, you're spot on because if you think of 2017 to now, obviously that encompasses Renault and Alpine, but 2017, they finished sixth. 2018, I think they finished fourth. 2019 and 2020 and 2021, they finished fifth in all those seasons, I think. And then last year they finished fourth. So that's like six years of standing still. Like there's no progress at all. So I think you're pretty much spot on. We'll get to our final takeaways now. Sam, your third one. Joe, you know what Ben reminded me of when he was running through those results thing? What? I'll have fish. And then I'll have fish and a rice, rice cake. <laughs> and then for lunch, I'll have fish. That's what he reminded me of from running through the results. That is Alpine. Yeah. That is Renault and Alpine. Is. All they eat. Fish and rice cakes. That's it. Fish is fifth place. Rice cakes, sixth place. <laughs> Fourth place. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back and forth. Um, my final takeaway. This, have a spank ball. this is going to, oh, don't start. This is going to rattle maybe both of you, actually. Oh, God. Because it's a classic Sabism, this is. I am, I, find, I have 100% putting my foot down that the FIA need to make a change to teams' brandings to allow them to stand out properly. Because three out of three races, I've been watching the telly and a horse has come around the corner and I've gone, that's an Alpha Tauri. And I've gone, oh wait, no, it's the other white and off black car that's on the track. And they look almost identical from a head-on point of view. And there are too many cars that have got a slightly... The, the Alfa Romeo looks like an off-brand Ferrari at the moment. They are all too similar. And I am... Deciding now, right now, everyone, that the FIA should put an order in place where you have to have a specific bit of branding that sets you apart from every other team on the grid. It's too similar. 
Fair. I mean, fair. Thank you. Less carbon fiber, please. Yeah, 100%. Bang it. No, don't bang it. We do need it. Just learn to Oh, I agree it. with that. Definitely agree with that. All right, my final takeaway. Um, I don't know if this will rattle anyone. We'll see. Not even a baby. Lance Stroll is going to cost Aston Martin at least one position in the championship, the Constructors' Championship, because we knew going into the season. So when we did our preseason predictions that are already absolutely, again, in the mud, um, <laughs> I, I remember making the point that is Lance Stroll going to be the weak link in a battle for, say, fourth place? Because if we were comparing them to Alpine and Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon and, of course, Alonso, his teammate, there was a question around would Lance Stroll be the weak link of those four and actually cost them a place? The reality is, good for Aston Martin in that they're not battling Alpine and they're battling better teams, but also we're not comparing Lance Stroll to Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly now. We're comparing him to even better drivers. Can you honestly, out of these six drivers in that fight for second place, we've got Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, and Lance Stroll. It's not even just a weak link. It's such an obvious weak link of those six. Like, it's not even close. The gap between Lance Stroll in sixth and whoever you want to put in fifth out of those five is way bigger than the gap between fifth and first of those group of drivers, right? It's like, so it's I, like I, all five of them made the jump over the Grand Canyon and Lance Stroll doesn't know how to get to the other side and that's the gap between them. He's he's uh, Homer trying to get over the trying to get over the canyon and then he on the back and then just, <laughs> just make straight it. straight into the middle. Yes. Sorry, Lance. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just feels like Stroll is okay enough. Like He's competent, don't get me wrong, but also we thought he was going to be compared to drivers that are worse than the ones that I'm talking about here. But instead, if we're looking at the Ferrari duo and we're looking at the Mercedes duo, Stroll can't com- can't compare with those guys, right? So I-, I feel like if it gets close at the end of the season, it might be the deciding factor. I don't know why I feel so adamant to give him a chance. Who, Lance? Yeah, he's had enough chances. And yet there I am going, oh, he might get it right. He might do well. <laughs> he's He's been around like, Longer than Lewis Hamilton, I think, at this point. Right. I mean, to be fair to him. Longer than Fernando. He is he hasn't taken his teammate out of a race yet, unlike Pierre Gasly. True. So he's got one up there. He, he give it giving it a good go. He's giving it a try, but he has failed. He's also well, got less risks. <laughs> he also did it at Cota last year just in preparation for this year. Different like season. he you know doesn't count. Yeah. Have some of them apples. Yeah, I'll get one out of the way now. Yeah. And he'll be mediocre this time. Space, I don't think he's getting any. Um, I think I think it's got a bad state, Ben. Unfortunately, I do want to give him a chance, and it's his first time in a properly competitive car. Another chance. What? Another chance. Another one. He's eight. <laughs> don't take him back. Oh, but he's really nice. That's what I'm doing with Lance Stroll right now. If we're in the business of giving chances, let's get Sergey Sorokin in that car. That's what I say. Well, exactly. Take a lance on me. Honey, I'm still free. You're in a weird mood today. It's the coffee. All oh, right, God. <laughs> oh, oh, God, the caffeine. Let's, let's I'm get like moving a child. as quickly as we can. Harry, you have like the opportunity to see us out with these takeaways, so this better be the boldest, biggest one yet. It's it's not, so I'm, I'm very sorry. Okay, good, yeah. Um, it's probably quite an obvious one, but, you know, we, we still talked about it, you know, the possibility of it, but my takeaway is that Sergio Perez won't ever be our champion. 
Sorry, Jacko. <sighs> Mexico hates you. I think yeah. we should give him another chance. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> Take a long song, me. Look, Jacko has, he's, he is a really great driver. And he, we've seen some actually really exceptional performances from him. Some in Red Bull, uh, but some before that at Racing Point as well and Force India back in the day. But he, he doesn't, you know, when we had Saudi and he was really good in Saudi and really quite impressive holding off Verstappen. And we thought, oh, it's like Valtteri Bottas all over again. It's like, oh, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a championship fight here. And then Q1, he, he spins into the gravel in Australia. And you're like, okay. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> um, so I'm sure he, he can still get a few more wins this year, but I just don't think he'll be there consistently enough for a championship fight, which is, you know, it's sad, but uh, not, not, I don't, uh, this isn't even that much of a criticism of Perez. I, I think it's more about how good Verstappen, good is. Verstappen is, but I, yeah, I just don't think he would, he's very there normal, enough. Though. You look at the likes of Barrichello, right? Like Barrichello was a very good driver. And on his day, brilliant. Yeah. Same with Bottas, fantastic driver, but you're going up against the greatest, you know, and when you're up against Hamilton, Verstappen, Schumacher, it's yeah. harder if you need to be on your absolute A game to even have a chance of beating them. I think it's a fair shout. Sorry, Jago. I was also, I was going to say something and now I don't know if I'm going to regret saying it. This is irrelevant to Jago, oh, by the way. So This is a worrying. Time. I know. I was going to say that I might keep growing my moustache either until the end of the season or Stroll gets a podium, whatever comes first. Sure. Right. Don't know though. I haven't made my mind up. He's just throwing that one out well, there. Maybe. Now it's out there. Let, no, let, you've got to commit to it now. Let me thousands go on the Discord. Let me know. In the, uh, over 100,000 people are downloading this right now. This award-winning podcast. I just talked about my moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, it's nice to know that we've finished the takeaways on an extremely serious note, as we always do. We're going to take a short break now. We're going to be talking about Domenicali comments right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So this feels like a sort of bi-weekly occurrence at this point, but Stefano Domenicali's had something to say and we're going to react to it. So um, he was speaking to F1 investors at a Liberty Media conference, which I've just realized for my own notes, I've actually written it down as a conference, which I'd like to think is a conference for corn on the cob. Corn on the conference. Yeah, exactly. Um, I believe it was just a regular conference though. Um, and, and what he said was, <laughs> what's interesting to see in the new markets when the new audience is coming in, that Red Bull's dominance is not a real important factor. It's more for the avid fans that if you see a car that is dominant, that's creating a level of less interest. For the new market, for the new fans that are coming to the business, this is not really very important. 
Sam, what are your thoughts on on these comments? Do you think that Red Bull's dominance is only driving away more avid fans compared to newer ones? I'm going to title this point Domenicali's downfall. <laughs> because oh, what is this rubbish that Domenicali <laughs> has come out with? If you think that avid fans who have been around for, let's say, I don't know, at least a decade, at least a decade, at that point, if they're still watching, they've been through, what, two total dominations? The initial Red Bull one and the Mercedes one. If you've been a longer-term fan, like the three of us have, we've been around, what, four total dominations, if not five, and fans older than us and longer than us have been around multiple. It happens. It's part of Formula One where a team get it right in new regulations and they will lead for... A few seasons. And avid fans that have sat through that time and time again are not the ones all of a sudden being driven off by the fact that Red Bull and Verstappen are the ones now dominant. It's entirely the opposite. I'm very confused by where he's got these findings from. Maybe himself in the mirror. Just vibes. Just vibes. I'm just vibing today, guys. And I feel like... Good, good I feel like new fans love Red Bull domination. How's that one feeling? Um, yeah, I feel I'm like that. You're wrong, Stefano. Um, basically, mate, <laughs> you're, wrong. you're wrong, sunshine, uh, Stefano sunshine. Basically, new fans expect competition. New fans expect excitement. And do you know why? Because Drive to Survive hypes them the absolute poop out of here. Well done. Thank you. They yeah, well get some pumped. You've got all this great music. You've got fast pace, high octane action. And you're expecting exhilarating fun every time you watch Formula One. And then cut to the race weekend. And Max Verstappen wins for the fifth Grand Prix in a row by 27 seconds. And we haven't had a fight up front. Now, we're aware that that is Formula One and it happens all the time. We saw it with Lewis Hamilton. We saw it with Schumacher. We've seen it with the likes of, you know, Prost. You're seeing it now with Verstappen or Vettel or whoever you want to put in that name. It's happened time and time again. For us, older fans, it's not a problem. We get used to it. We enjoy other parts of the sport. For newer fans who expect a fight and expect a lot of fun and competitive action... I think this will drive newer fans off quicker than many other changes that could be made in Formula 1. And I'm not saying you should stop Red Bull. They've done a great job. They deserve to be out the front. But for newer fans, I think this is a problem, not for avid long-term watches of the sport. So essentially what you're saying, if um, it's the opposite, if anything. It's not what Domenicali is saying. It's just the complete opposite. He's wrong. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> What do you think? Uh, yeah, I agree with Sam. It's it's literally the opposite. Why? why we are av- avid F1 fans. So Got a podcast. That, well, evidently. A wargling. <laughs> Good. Um, as avid F1 fans, we've sat through some rubbish. Of this Formula podcast. One. Well, and obviously people who listen are avid F1 fans because they sit through the rubbish every week by listening to us. So... I, we enjoy the racing here. We, oh. <laughs> what? I'm just saying we enjoy the racing. I've got tea. I can sip. I'm just sipping my coffee. <laughs> Topical. Topical burn. Um, anyway, I, yeah, this is, this is complete horse poo. I don't know. I don't know what Steve Sunday is, is, uh, is talking about because yeah, but we, we sat through knockout elimination qualifying in 2016 <laughs> oh, and no, we still no, came no. back. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no, no. Um, Double points. Double points in Abu Dhabi. We still came back and watched the next year. Still annoyed at that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm. Just one time and one time only. Abu Dhabi 2014 is worth double every other race. Do you remember the Hypersoft tyre? 
We exactly. We had eight different tire compounds. The hard tire was orange at one point. Yeah, and pink was hypersoft. Yeah, yeah, hypersoft. <laughs> Sounds good though. It does sound good. So look, my point is, it's because we love F one so much that we sit through the rubbish because we know there is a there's a good sport under there. The new the new F one fans who, as you say, watched it on Drive to Survive or or indeed just new because they yep. caught it with. Uh, they got caught up with 2021, so how a lot of fans got involved now. Um, they're, yeah, they're going to be, they are going to be put off. There's, there's no other way to say it. So I don't know, I don't really know what he's trying to, I don't know what point he's trying to get at, because I know he's trying to say like, no, F1 fans aren't being put off. It's the, it's, it's the, it's that, sorry to go back to The Simpsons again. It's that um, Skinner uh, meme where he's like, am I the problem? No, it's the children. <laughs> And it's just like, no, it's the older F1 fan. So yeah, I, I don't really quite understand his point here. And it, yeah, I don't I don't think necessarily newer F1 fans are being put off straight away now. It's, yes, it's not quite the same as it was in 2021, but I think F1's in a healthy enough state at the moment that they they'll, they'll still stick around. So um, I had... I, yeah. <laughs> Why does he keep saying things like I'm this? I'm just taking notes about how you're ending this point because it is going on. I, I, I don't really have an end to this but point. Of course you don't because you're harried. I'm, keep do, going. Just keep murmuring a little bit. I don't know. I'm just trying not to cough. <laughs> you did a great job. Well Thank done. You. I'm also trying not to sneeze. <laughs> Good. Uh, in conclusion, stop, Steve Sunday. Correct. All right. So we've had two conclusions which are you're wrong and shut up Steve Sunday. So, okay, good stuff. Yeah. I was reading the article on this and I, I must've been there for like 10 minutes straight, just staring at it and then not really knowing how to respond. And then afterwards just kind of being like, sure about that pal? Sure. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I just, it doesn't make any sense. Does it on the service? It makes no sense whatsoever to your point that, avid F1 fans and long-time F1 fans have had to sit through a lot of dominance. I mean, what do 2022, 2020, 2019, 2018, 17, 15, 13, 11, 09, 05, 04, 02, 01, 95, 93, 92. I didn't go back any further than that, but what do all those have in common? They were all dominant seasons. So either... Either Steve Sunday here is telling a bit of a porky pie and it's not actually true. Naughty little piggy. Or, I'm not going to call him piggy. Or, <laughs> the alternative to that is, he is telling the truth, in which case, F1 has a massive problem. Because if all of those years didn't drive away avid fans, yet this one is, why? Because... Like I said, we've had so many years of dominance. So if you're what you're saying is true, Steve Sunday, why is it only happening now under your watch? I don't think it's quite the thing you were intending to say. I think you've kind of self-burned yourself or you're lying, which neither's great for you. I I appreciate that when it comes to investors, and surprisingly, folks, I'm not an ex- but when it comes to investing, you would think so, but definitely not. Um, I, I feel like if you're talking to your investors, you probably need to strike a balance between you want to keep things mostly positive because, hey, they're investing in your product, but also you probably don't want to 
there's a fine line because if you're saying everything is 100% positive, if you were an investor, you'd probably look at that cynically and say, are you sure? I, I feel like there's something going on beneath the surface here. So I understand why you're trying to strike a balance, but yeah, it, you would just think that the newer uh, newer generation of, of F1 fan is more likely to be turned off based on this due to potentially unrealistic expectations of what the sport is rather than rather than I just want to know what, what's your source like where where are you getting this information from because if you can tell me and I can go away and look at it and whether it's based on data or surveys or whatever great then I'll I'll believe you but until you do that it just doesn't sound like it can be right I bet it's ranch but that's his source you bet it's what ranch Runt. Oh, ranch sauce. Yeah. yeah. We don't have it in the UK, do we? Thank you. <laughs> Good. Go try some when we go to Texas. Yeah. I was thinking about getting a Texas-based tattoo when we go to commemorate. Oh, God. Re- what? Stop making all these promises on a on No, I'm being serious. I spoke about it uh, uh, at home the other day when we were off air, and I said that I might get a, a yee and a ha with like a little cowboy hat in the middle on like my leg or something. And a moustache. And a moustache. Not tattooed. Real one. Right, that, this is all on you. We're not getting involved with this. I'm going to have a great time. It's a lovely time. <laughs> I am genuinely not going anywhere near you on this trip. Yeah. You have to literally live with me. We're flying there no. together and back. I'm actually, I, I, I'm going to fly the plane so I don't have to sit well, next to you I'm, now. Well, I guess I'm not going anymore. That's my trip ruined. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be there, folks. A day late okay. and a dollar oh, short. short. Hey! Martin. Oh, again. Whoa, we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, warm ring in my ass. <laughs> you know what? That should be the title of this episode. Which bit? Award winning my ass. Yes, right. exactly. Because that's the way this is heading very quickly. Um, we'll take another short break. We'll be discussing ticket prices after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, um, truth be told, we were initially going to chat about this on Wednesday's episode, but we blabbed on for so long about oh, other so things long. that we didn't quite get around to it. I mean, we we spoke a lot on that episode, so apologies, but we're here now. Um, question is about ticket prices and ensuring that regular fans, I don't know what the right term is, can still, um, can still afford these events because we know the F1 events are very quickly being sold out. Nowadays, the interest is incredibly high. And as a result of that, ticket prices are steadily increasing year on year. 
Uh, the reason most specifically this topic came up, um, I think it's relevant all year round, but why this has come out now is that Silverstone ahead of the British Grand Prix this summer uh, has announced the price of its pit lane entry um, price, which um, is on the Thursday before the race. Now, a couple of years ago, I believe this was completely free. Last year, it was just £29 um, and they decided to put a one in front of it this year to make it £129, which if you do the maths... Um, something along the lines of stonking increase, I reckon. Um, Real big so stonks. What, stonks. Yes. Harry, what needs to be done? What should be done? What can be done about this? Make it cheaper. Oh, there you go. Oh, topic over. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Let's go home. Um, yeah, look, this is, this is purely, they, they, like, Sil- I think Silverstone is in a, um, a weird position because a lot of a lot of circuits are they they get help from like their governments and stuff. Whereas Silverstone, as far as I'm aware, doesn't. So it's all sort of on Quite its busy. own, and it, it's always had this issue. Basically, um, you know, the big circuits in the Middle East and stuff they all get government backing. So it's it's probably quite cheap to get a ticket there. Silverstone doesn't have this, so it's it's almost its own little unique problem. But the this pit lane entry walk thing. That's just, you're just trying to make money out of people. You don't need to judge. Why? Like what for? They're already paying to be there. And it's not cheap anyway. No. And Silverstone's ridiculously expensive these days. And you, you know, the we've already had a problem with Silverstone this year because it's, I mean, it's sold out now, isn't it? But they... We're doing that thing where the adaptive pricing. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, as demand went up, the, Dynamic, the price yeah. went That's up. The right word, thank you, Ben. Yeah, which is, I mean, disgusting. But um, it's just, it's just, you, I just, I get, I get, Silverstone needs to perhaps charge a bit more because of the way it's funded. Like, fair enough. And if that's if it needs to, then and to keep it on the calendar, then yes, you know, I, I, I mean, we're not going, but I'd be willing to pay a bit more if anyone wants us to go for that sake. But doing this is just, you're just trying to mug, mug off F1 fans. And it's, I don't like it at all. I've always thought Silverton's been pretty fair on how they've priced stuff before. But now they just seem to be cashing in on the popularity of F1. And the fact that this, as you say, Ben, two years ago was a free, a free thing to do. All right, last year went up to 30 quid, which, uh, you know, it's, it's still not great, but it's only 30 Bearable, quid. isn't it? If you're now going out for an event. But... That was 130 quid. Jog on. Correct. Jog on. It's, it's not on, is it? No. Um, yeah, I I yeah. sincerely hope. I mean, I've seen lots of things on Twitter that people say you can go to fly to Hungary, is into Budapest, buy a ticket for the F1 race and all of that and still be cheaper than a Silverstone weekend, which is, you know, and, and that's going from the UK, so I, I should say, but that's ridiculous. That shouldn't be the way. So sort it out, Silverstone. Because you'll you'll lose F1 fans from your event. Well, I say that they keep coming. They will still keep coming, so maybe they won't. But there's there's got to be something done because you're you're pricing people out that can, you know main deserves to be able to go and watch a sport exactly. Yeah. Um. So sort it out. Yeah, and whilst you know you can say inflation is a thing, I don't think inflation is at four hundred percent at the moment. So. I don't think I don't think they can justify it based on inflation either. Um, yeah, the problem is if kind of to so the last point you were making there, there, Harry, that 
if they can charge these prices and still get the same amount of people through the doors, there's nothing stopping them from doing so. Um, you know, everyone who is a stakeholder in this is going to be concerned with the same thing. So um, what, you know, shareholders, what are they concerned about? Their return, money. What's the circuit need? Money. What does F1 want? Money. What does the FIA want? Money. What do the sponsors want? They want money. So there's there's no one on the inside who's going to fight for the, the, the fan here because everyone's interests for once are pretty much aligned in they want to make the most revenue they possibly can from this event. And they know that if they can charge... 50% higher prices and get away with it and they'll still get the same amount of people through the door, they're going to do that. There's no one there to tell them not to, um, which is incredibly disappointing, but I think it's probably the reality of the situation that we're in and we need to work. Um, uh, I think finding a solution is, is a case of not ignoring that, but almost knowing that and working around it. So I feel like, and feel free to shoot me down if you don't think this is a good idea at all, Maybe we can get something in place here where circuits can get like sponsorship and subsidies from a big time corporate partner or a big time sponsor. Um, and they can provide a set of discounted tickets on the back of that. So the sponsorship opportunity would need to be great for whoever the sponsor is. Um, certainly from a PR point of view as well, that's kind of covered off. Um, so you'd get those in. Obviously, whatever the, the sponsorship money included there is would need to offset whatever the, the ticket income loss would be from um, from charging t uh, cheaper tickets. But if you can find a way to make the numbers work there, maybe that's a route um, to help out because it's it's difficult. Who, who steps in? Who st who st I don't know who's in otherwise, um, but maybe this is a way that you can... You can get cheaper tickets, but there's a massive sponsorship opportunity for a company to come in and do this and actually look good doing it. What do you reckon, Sam? I think at the very base of it, Formula One has a huge fundamental problem with cash, with money. And it needs a huge change. It won't change. And the key reason it won't change is greed. It is greed. And... There are a lot of very, very, very wealthy people at the very top who benefit off of where Formula One is going and how it's always been going. And why would you, what, I, like, I understand it. Why would you want to see that change? Your pockets are being filled, your bank account's ticking up. You don't want to do that slower or you don't want to take money out of that. And I understand that. We all want to make money. We all want to be comfortable. They're very comfy. They're comfier than I'll ever be in a million years. But realistically, Formula One and Liberty need to create a better program where the dissemination of funds is far more spread and they need to put almost a mandate in place to each track where they receive more money to start with because they clearly don't get more funding. A lot of Grand Prix members have to pay to be on the grid. So apart from ticket sales, on the calendar rather, so apart from ticket sales, they don't get money from Liberty or anything like that. It doesn't get taken down from the multi-multi-billion dollar company that has all that revenue that is Liberty. Remember that. They're still paying to be on that calendar. So they aren't receiving any of those funds, but they should. They need to. And then that funding should be mandated to go into lessening ticket prices so the tracks can still make some profit. Goes into, you know, track maintenance, goes into entertainment that isn't just on the grid, all that kind of stuff. And then alongside that, you have a real problem where someone like Silverstone, which most tracks look to because of how 
long it's been on the calendar, how much it's respected by drivers, by fans, by press and sponsors. You, you see a project like this happen where they go from having a free experience, which is an amazing thing. I've done a pit walk. Um, and I've been lucky enough to look at the cars up close and you know speak to drivers of other sports as well. And it really is a brilliant experience. Could I pay? I, and I'm, you know, I'm quite a privileged person. I have a good income. I work hard at another job. We have this. And, you know, we are huge F1 fans. Could I really justify 130 quid to walk down a pit lane on a Thursday after I've already spent hundreds of pounds on another ticket? No, I couldn't. I couldn't afford it. So this is aimed at high-earning influencer-type people that are already very, very wealthy, that get extra opportunities. And other tracks who are maybe new to the calendar will look at Silverstone as an example and go, well, they're getting away with it. They're having a good time with it. People are still buying it. That's more money. Let's go and do it. And in that, it compounds the problem. And people who maybe aren't big fans of Formula One but want a good photo opportunity, who know they've got extra cash just sat in the bank, go, I'll go. That's fun. I'll stand next to a Ferrari and have my photo taken. I'll go see Charles Leclerc and get my photo taken. That will sit on my 100,000 followed Instagram page. But the three of us, maybe you lot listening, who are just sat at home, I don't know, with a family or you've just got a normal job and you're trying to just get by in life, you miss out on that experience because you're not cared for in a way that you should be by this global multi-billion dollar corporation. And you've dedicated a lot of time and love to a sport that you are very passionate about and you deserve to be able to walk down a pit lane, see your favourite car and go, that was cool. I really enjoyed that, especially after you spent 450 quid on a bloody race ticket where you're only getting a general standing area and you've got to sit on some grass for a weekend. You don't even get a chair. So God forbid that you should walk down a pit lane for free once on a Thursday. Quite frankly, Liberty need to learn to disseminate their funds. As I said, they need to learn to support these tracks so the average Joe, like the three of us, sorry to Uncle Joe, I'm sure you're not average, can go and actually enjoy a race weekend properly and not have to remortgage their home to go and do it. It's always the little guy that takes the blow and they have more than enough money that they can still make a very, very, very healthy profit and help their actual fans turning up to these tracks. It's sad. It's a sad story. Not nothing that we can change and I wish they would go and change it. What you're saying is this sort of thing is aimed at people who just don't care about racing. Yeah, ma- massively, yeah. They want to fill their pockets and they want a photo opportunity doing it. Classic. Mm-hmm. I'm, my apologies, because I don't know who actually put this together. So I'd like to be able to credit them, but I, I don't know who did it. Um, the maths behind going to every single IndyCar race and the price for, for doing that versus going to an F1 Grand Prix staggering absolutely is it really i haven't seen it It, i don't know if this is true but you can go to a good chunk of them or maybe all of them i don't know for the cost of one of them all of them yeah is it the price for the price of one silverstone ticket i i thought it was something just over maybe just over a thousand dollars to get to every single race no not not in terms of the travel cost but in terms terms of of the ticket prices um yeah let's move to america no sorry americans no there's other things apart from racing which I'm not going to go into on the podcast oh but God. we'll move on well, me and Ben will move to America okay bye bye <laughs> bye well before we move should we play a game of F1 order please after this short break yes let's do it step into the world of power loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right, here we go. F1 order, please. Oh, yes, me. Play the jingle. Oh, God, I hate this. Yeah, go on, mate. Whether it's a can of Coca-Cola or a lump of cheese, or we're ordering drivers by the size of their knees, this game is full of facts, just you wait and see. This is Formula One. Order, order, please. French I always do think you sound French. I think it's a good impression, but I do definitely dip into a little bit of uh, a la Francais. Oh there. Yes. Oh there. Yes. Good stuff. <laughs> One order, please. Um, so Harry versus Sam in this game, where I will give them a category. There are four answers within the category, and they need to order them based on some sort of system. Um, could be oldest to youngest, could be um, most wins to least wins, all different examples of what they can be. They have to go ahead and order them. As I say, uh, if they get it right, they will hear, well, I mean, I, this doesn't work anymore because I can't do the, I can't give you the, um, the John Burko order when you're right. Oh. oh, I don't think I've loaded that one in. I'll either. do it live. Okay, fine. But I don't know if they're right. So I'll just do it for my question. Well, that's, that's more the point in that I'm telling you if they're right or not. I don't want to hear it from Ben. Oh, uh, Maybe you do it live, Ben. Maybe you just go, oh, there. Ben, you, you might be I'll able to do still, it live then. You might be able to still play it on here. No, I want to see him do it live. All right, fine. Good. Yeah, I'll do it live. Um, it doesn't happen all that often anyway. So if I, uh, yeah, if they get it right, they get a point and they have ordered it correctly. If they don't get it right, it gives the other person the opportunity to steal the point. But there is risk involved in that because they will get a point if they steal it correctly. But if they also get it wrong, they will lose a point, which means minuses are in the offering, folks. So numbers one through to six. Sam, what number would you like to kick us off? I'll have number one, please, Ben. Number one. So I'm going to give you four sponsors of McLaren. Oh, that's fine. From, yeah, a bit of a different one. I want you to tell me from when they first joined the team to when they last joined the team. So who was a sponsor of McLaren first through to last? Okay. So you've got Dell. Yep. Hilton. The best sponsor name in the world, Splunk. <laughs> yep. And Google. This is this is tough. I don't, I don't know. Because none of them are also really title sponsors. I thought you were going to be like West. Marlborough. Marlborough. <laughs> uh, all of these are still sponsors now. I yeah, mean. Oh, I'm it's aware. It's just in terms of when they first joined. Um, okay. In terms of oldest to newest, I'm going to go with... Yeah. Um, Dell, oldest, Hilton, second oldest, Google, Splunk. <laughs> Great name. Great name. Not right on this ah, occasion. Harry, do you want the opportunity to steal? Oh, have it, mate. No. Oh. 
I don't blame you. I probably wouldn't have been anywhere near this one. The oldest sponsor of McLaren is Hilton. That goes back all the way to 2005. Um, so that one was the oldest. Then it's Dell, um, 2018. They joined the team. Then it's Splunk, 2020. Um, and then Google was new for last year, so 2022. So that would have been the correct so order. All wrong, really. <laughs> you get a single one in the right place. Ah, oh, well. That's quite a talent. You could have had Google first. That's true. Maybe I should have used Google to get it right. I'll have number two, please. Ben. Good. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, first win. So four drivers here I'll give you. I want you to say when they had their first win from earliest to latest. So you've got Juan Pablo Montoya. It's chunky. Rubens Barrichello. Mr. Cry. Mr. Cry. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to hear what the next two are going to be. Kimi Raikkonen. Mr. Icy. <laughs> and Ralph Schumacher. Mr. Malfi. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Oh, Harry's coughing. He's gone. Okay. Oh. I think um, Barrichello is the first. Uh, Ralphie Malfi. Ralphie the Malfi. Ralphie the Malfi is in second. Then, then Montoya, then Raikkonen. Order! <laughs> oh, that is so hilarious. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Um, I'd like to steal Barrichello was first. Germany 2000 on that one. Uh, then it was Ralph Schumacher, who I didn't even set this up with this the intention of this, but it's actually the, the anniversary of that win today. San Marino 2001. Today? Um, yeah, um, on this day. It's yeah. a Saturday. 22 years ago, yeah. Yeah, but the, the dates move. Oh, yeah, that is how time works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's, that's a good show, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Ignore that, everyone. I haven't said that. It's a Saturday. No, don't do it. Uh, Montoya was Monza 01 and then Raikkonen was Malaysia 03 so Harry is on the board well done Sam back to you Um, I'll have number six please number six Um, I'm going to give you four drivers who all won the GP2 championship I want you to tell me from earliest to latest when they won that championship I don't don't watch the racing (sighs) So you've got oh God, three in one episode. Uh, That's enough. Emo Glock. Roman Grosjean. The Phoenix. Davide Valsecchi. And Nico Ulkenberg. Um, okay. I think, I think Glock was first. Um... I think then it was Valsecchi, then Hulkenberg, then Grosjean. That is not the correct order. Oh, we're all so shocked. If it's so big, don't you, Ben? <laughs> I, I'm not taking it. I've got no idea. Ah. Sorry. You were you you had the right start. Timo Glock, 2007, he won the GP2 championship. It was then Nico Hulkenberg in 2009, Roman Grosjean in 2011, because weirdly he actually raced in F1, then went back to GP2 and that won the title. Confusing. And then Valsecchi won in 2012. 
Uh, Valsecki was my outlier. I wasn't sure where to put him. Yeah, he was part of a group of like three or so GP2 champions that just never made it to F1. Respect for Fabio Lima. Um, okay, Lima. you stay at 1-0. Harry, back to you. Number four, please. Number four. Uh, four drivers, from most to least, how many points did they get in 2020? Now, that's the season you forget exists. I do. I genuinely do. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Every time you forget 2020 exists. Yeah. yeah. COVID, Okay, it? here are the drivers. Lando Norris. Sergio Perez, Alex Alban, and Esteban Ocon. It's a tough one. That is tough. You'll guess it right, though. Probably. Uh, from least to most, or most to least? It doesn't really matter. Most to least. Most to least. Most, I'll go for Lando Norris. Then I'll go for... I've forgotten who two of them up. Album wasn't very good, but he did have a Red Bull. <laughs> Strong logic, yeah. That's like saying Sam's an idiot, but he has got a hundred million pounds. Yeah. Um, One of those things is true. Yeah, I am very I'll go... rich. Then, so Norris, Perez, Albon, Ocon... It's not the correct answer. Oh! Baited me then. Sam, do you want to try and level things up at one all by <laughs> stealing? Sam. I mean, I'm a little little crim, little criminal. So yeah. A burger. I'm a little burger. I'm coming in the night. I'm taking your points. George Russell over here. Crikey. I randomly was watching some highlights of the 2018 Chinese GP the other day. Okay. And Martin, it's when Ricardo wins. Yeah. And Martin Brundle calls him a burglar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's a race win. It came burglar. up on my feed this morning, weirdly. That's oh, weird. You've yeah. stolen it, you little burglar. Mm, you're such a burglar. Yeah, I'll steal it and get it wrong, though. So I, I like a good minus point, so do I. It's good fun. So yeah, I'll steal. Go on, then. What order do you want? Um, <laughs> say I steal, and then just not say the answers. Yeah, I can't remember what you said anything else. That's going to be good. I'll give the same answers you just did. Um, I'm going to go with Norris Top, Perez, Ocon, uh, Albon. Uh, yeah, you managed to get further away, I'm afraid. Oh, that's so, classic, um, mate. <laughs> further away from winging as well now. We really, really hate Album, I think. I think we I just have... thought he was, and you know what? I was getting, one of my takeaways earlier was going to be, he put some respect on his name. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, one person you need to put some respect on their name is Sergio Perez, because he was the first of was the, he? that group. 125 points. Then it was Alex Alban on 105 Lando Norris, 97. Uh, and then Esteban Ocon was last with 62. That racing point would be crazy. I really thought Norris had a better year than that. So did I. I thought that McLaren was good that year. Yeah, I mean, it was, but... I mean, then racing point was good as well. Is that the year he won all the way from the back? Yeah. Yeah. He was quite that good race that race. That somehow is like his 27th best race in F1, apparently. Literally second. To people. Literally second best race. Okay, so you both have one point. Unfortunately, one of you does have a minus in front of that one. I'll take so we it. carry on. I want fire. We've got two to go, which means it's back to Sam. Number three or number five? I'll have number five, please. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to say you you probably made the right call, but you probably won't like either of these. So here we are. <laughs> Knows me too Four well. drivers. Pick number three, my lord. Oh, saying it, I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd want you to name these four four drivers, list them in terms of when they first won a title. So you've got Mike Hawthorne. Yep. Phil Hill. Yeah. Good old Pill. <laughs> Ascari. <laughs> yeah. And Fangio. Uh from oldest to winning the title, from you know, the first person to do it to most recent. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go Ascari, Fangio, Hawthorne, Big Pill. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's not the correct answer. Is it Harry, not? You like to try and Is that what it. you thought as well? I thought you'd nailed that. I thought I nailed it as well. I well, was quite smug. Well, on that basis, I'm not sealing it. I think Pill and Hawthorne are the wrong way around then. The other one, the other two are the other way around. So Fangio first won a title in 1951. Alberto Ascari first won a title in 1952. I'm even researching Mike that. Hawthorne. <laughs> I Mike Hawthorne first won it in 1958 uh, and Hill Pill was 1961. I thought Fangio was 53. I, I thought Ascari... Who, who won the first ever championship in 50? Farina. Yeah. Farina. Even I knew that. So it's it, okay, you're winning. It was, it was Farina, then Fangio, then Ascari won two. And then Fangio won his other four in a row. Scar is so good, isn't he? Best corner of all, of all time. Two-time world champion. <laughs> he was doing the dance back in 1953. He's the OG of the dance. Number three, all right, so Pick number three, my lord. Yeah, number three. Um, <laughs> four corners at Spa, when they first appear on the lap to when they last appear Stablo. on the lap, please. Stablo? He's <laughs> making it up. It's not, it's called Stablo, not Stablo. Wasn't that on the Top Gear track? Stablo. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Cockney version. Yeah. Good. All right. The, fir- the first corner, Stablo. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Ferrer, Campus, and Bruzel. I might call Ferrer after this podcast. Is this on the current circuit? They're all lies. Yes. This is not like the old one. I, just, I didn't know any. Why couldn't this without Monza? We nailed it. Ascari. <laughs> <laughs> two times. There's only there's only two corners at Monza. Exactly. Um, all on the current circuit. I would get this wrong. I am going to get this wrong. Now we won't. I forgot. Paul. Uh, what are they? Stavolo, Paul Frere, Campus, and Camp. Brussel. Apologies if that's Miss Brussels. Brussels. <laughs> I, d- I genuinely don't know. Um, Brugel, I think. Paul Frere, Stavolo, Br- Brussels Campus. Brussels Sprouts. I've got no idea. That's not the correct is order. Sam, would you like to try and steal this? Bear in mind, there is literally nothing on the line. Yes, I will steal it. <laughs> okay. I've forgotten all of the corners apart from Stavolo. Paul, Paul Frere. Right. Frere Rocher. Brussels Sprouts, University Campus, and then Stavlo. So, okay, what's my order? I'm going to go for Stavlo first, Brussels Sprouts, Campus, Paul Frey. Please be right. Uh, no. Um, I, I think you might have been closer than Harry, but that's probably not saying. I thought 
if, if Harry, you got the other, t- the last two, the other way around, you literally would have got it in the opposite order. Uh, wow. Well done. Brussel was first, then Campus, then Stavolo, then Paul Frere. And Sam did at least get Paul Frere in the right place. I can't, so. I'm having a mind blank. I literally can't picture any of those corners now. Yeah, what, what are the corners? Where are they? Don't know, mate. You, you've, you've, your quiz. you've done the quiz. I, yeah, I don't need to know any more than whether you're right or wrong. I can't wait till you I'll tell you what, I do know where they are. They're at Spa. You're, you're an idiot. Yeah, big idiot. I'm glad we're in the same room. Are we all dressed the same? Sorry, I've just realised you're also wearing a dark blue That's jumper. The grey boys. <laughs> we're so black. That's our personality. What colour trousers have you got on? Green. Oh, can you go and put some black ones on? We'll all be the same. <laughs> yeah, hang on. Bear with me, folks. <laughs> ben actually genuinely had to pause and look down. He did. I know what I'm wearing. Yeah. He's a- green. Green. Well, no, I knew what... Okay. I knew what trousers I was wearing. I didn't know whether I should call them green or khaki. It's, I, it's I mean, khaki for a start. It's an important khaki. distinction. Where's he from? Oh, khaki and stabalo. <laughs> I'm allowed to bring out things badly. What That's what I'm here for. I read out uh, Keke Rosberg's name earlier because I was watching Look, Because obviously the, they've released the IndyCar McLaren Kiki. lineup. And I, in my head, called him Kiki. And I had to, I had to <laughs> tell myself. That's not how you say it's going. Kiki. No. Kiki. Oh. Uh, Right, I'm proper done with this now. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. Let's go. This is flown by, isn't it? Um, yeah. Folks, because we're now an award-winning podcast, after that episode, baffled me, um, we will be doing the reverse episode where we're all impersonating each other. We will not be breaking character. So the aim will be to start the whole episode as Harry as Ben, Ben as me, and myself as Harry, and we will end it like that. There will be no character breaking, trying very hard not to giggle the whole way through. And still providing great Formula One insight. Great to stretch. Um, do we have any idea when that might be? Is that going to be next weekend? Is that going to be coming up? Because it should be soon, right? We should do it very soon. Well, you're both you're both missing episodes coming up, aren't you? So we're going to have to find one when we're all. Well, we are all oh. we are all together. That's next true. Week. This coming week, we're all together. Well, we'll let you oh, know, we'll folks. sort something out, won't we? Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll yeah. It's come out very soon. We, we will not be forgetting. We will 100% be doing it. Thank you so much again for everyone that took the time to vote for us. We understand how much of a bit of a finicky process that was. Do Americans say finicky? <coughs> let us know. They do now. Well, it's a great word. Start using it. It's when something's a bit fiddly, a bit difficult. Um, it was finicky. And you still smashed it. You, we beat some incredible competition, some really talented podcasts for nominating in that category. So again, we are so humbled and so thankful. Um, if you'd like to carry on being part of the community, join the Discord. You can have a chat there. Over 1,800 people chatting away, which is super incredible to see. Um, we also have Patreon where you can get extra episodes, extras, as I'm calling them, two a month. Uh, the first one is already out. We'll be recording <laughs> the second one uh, very, very soon. And you also get, if you go to the top tier, Beer With Breaking, a once a month video. We're all a little bit tipsy and discussing life, Formula One, and silly things about each other and topics that you suggest. Next week. Well, it's next week. Again, we're all together. So it'll be recorded then. Yep. Um, Harry, you used to rec- order a new cable. Oh, good. Yeah, cheers. Right for the mics and then um, also you get ag free podcast which is always nice um, that's great as well also we've got a gaming night coming up on the 18th is it the 18th maybe the 19th maybe the 19th no. you'll find it on Patreon folks it'll be posted there um, and we're going to do a little bit of Formula 1 I don't really know how to sag it up so that's going to be a fun journey and that's everything join us on social media we're really thriving over there um, not surviving thriving thrive to drive 
<laughs> That's good. Anyway, in the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. I've been Stabolo. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, keep breaking late. Oh, stupid podcast. It's a stupid podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.